Hey, you guys, another podcast. All right. I, I love this week's podcast, man, because, you know, we always figured it up, you know? So if you guys don't know, I record roughly almost 60 to 90 podcasts a week, okay? <laughs> Between all the channels. And I get to meet a lot of interesting and amazing people. We have a special guest today because all my guests are special. First of all, what is your name? Julie Maria. Julie Maria. What do you do with Julie Maria? I am a transformational catalyst and a trauma and emotion coach. Okay, let's go back. Let's go back to the first part of it. Say that again. You are what? I am a transformational catalyst. So let's break that down for just a quick second. So transformation is the notion of changing or transforming one thing into another thing. And a catalyst is somebody who brings that change to bear or brings change to the fore or to bear to creation. And so what I get the privilege and the honor of doing is transforming anger, sadness, anxiety, fear, fear-based emotions. Notice I'm not saying negative emotions because I don't believe that emotions are positive or negative into joy, into contentment, into bliss, into awareness because when you get to a space where you realize that emotion, and I hyphenate it, and a lot of people ask me, why do you hyphenate the word emotion? Because we are scared of emotion as a society. And we get in that space, and now a lot of the young kids say, well, don't get up in your feels. Okay, let's, feelings or emotions. You can look at it however you want to. The point of fact is, is that, Emotion is just energy in motion. It's simple physics. So if we can allow ourselves to be in the space of, oh, instead of saying, I am angry, saying, I'm experiencing anger, we allow it to move through us. We don't hold on to it. Because when we say things like, I am angry, I am upset, I am sad, we are making I am makes it part of who we are. So it also embellishes and, and invites shame in if we're not allowed to feel a certain thing. So if we can be in the space of I'm experiencing, let's just say sadness as an example. I'm experiencing sadness that allows us to go, okay, so it's going to pass. We're telling our mind it's going to pass through us and keep moving. Because here's the thing that I know. Anger is sadness is bodyguard. Sadness is guilt, grief, and shame is bodyguard. So if we can be in the space of, if we're, because you hear a lot of times, if we can be in the space of our emotion, because you hear a lot of times people saying, oh, they have an anger management problem. And I correct people and say, no, you don't. You have a failure to feel your emotion problem. Someone made it wrong or bad for you to feel anger or sadness when you were a child. Hmm. And most of us know, I'm in my 40s, most of us know, and people even younger than me in their 30s or 20s, you either heard or you have said, if you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. Oh, which yeah. made it physically wrong for us and physically scary or unsafe for us to then feel our emotions. 
So what do we do if we can't feel our emotions? We swallow them. We armor up. We get to a space we don't allow ourselves to feel our emotions. We get stuck, which becomes inflammation in the body, which becomes dis-ease, which becomes depression, which is anger turned inward, which becomes all these other things. So when I work with women, primarily women, I have worked with men, and they come to me with an issue, and I say, okay, talk to me. And they talk to me about the real-world issue. We always start with whatever they're feeling because those are always valid. So we validate, I witnessed, and then I say, okay, is it possible that there's anger, sadness? And a lot of times I can see in their face, like the shift to like this deep sadness that they take a deep breath and they've allowed themselves to feel emotion. They've allowed themselves to feel the heavy weight of, I'm a mother and no one supports me. That might be a story that might be real life. Or I'm a career woman and I've been a workaholic since I was 16 and I missed life. I missed finding a partner and creating a family. And now I'm in my 30s or 40s or 50s and I'm like, I've got no one to share my legacy with. I have, you know, I, I did things that were fun, but I never, I don't have a home base to come back to. So we get to go in, we get to dig into those pieces, we get to pull up the emotions so they get to experience it. And oftentimes just witnessing and validating and holding the container for them is enough to dramatically shift their life because they come out of victimhood. We come out of resentment because a lot of people raise your hand if you've ever not said something and then been mad because you didn't get what you wanted because you were terrified of asking for it because you were terrified in reality, that little kid inside of you is terrified of rejection. And it can be anything from like, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. I don't care. But you really wanted steak or sushi or pizza. And then you're like, no one ever listens to me. But you also don't speak because you're terrified that people are going to reject you or say no or pay, you know, not pay attention to you. So it's that whole thing that plays together into this tornado. And what I get to do is slowly unwrap that and unravel it to get us to a place of, oh, you mean it's safe for me to feel my emotions? Yeah. It's safe for you to cry around me. It's safe for your rage around me. It's safe for you to feel whatever you feel to say, hey, you know what? That thing that happened to me when I was 12, let's go back and rewind and talk about it because it affected you. And it, here's the thing. Grief, sadness, anger, shame, et cetera, affects us until it doesn't. And that's a really important thing for people to understand. Instead of saying, like our society likes to dismiss things, right? Like if someone passes away, we go, oh, it's been two weeks. So, you know, you just need to move on with life or it's been two years. And we have a societal timeline of how long you're allowed to grieve or be upset or be sad or whatever. A woman has a baby and we're like, why aren't you happy? You had a baby and this is the bed of death. We're not with that woman at two o'clock in the morning when she's exhausted and has raw nipples from feeding and the whole thing. And she's wearing granny panties and the whole bit after giving birth and her baby doesn't want to sleep and it's colicky and she's not getting anything done and she's exhausted and she hasn't showered in a week. We're not there. And so all these things that society puts on women into a space of and we choose that because we don't know any differently. And a lot of us don't know to say, 
hey, can I, can I watch your baby for an hour and you go take a shower and have a bath and, you know, maybe you pump so you can have a glass of wine because you seem like you need it. Love you. Yeah. But we could be in that space of listening and hearing people. And so what I get the privilege of doing is helping people unwind and untether that because when they get to a space where they find their voice, it's freaking pure magic. It's the best thing in the world to watch someone go, oh, and to come back six months or a year later and say, oh my God, you'll never guess what I did. And they tell me they either got the job or they have a new relationship with somebody, you know, that they totally got crushed and they never thought they'd have the relationship. One of my clients hadn't talked to her dad in 20 years and she, we were working together and I said, you know, and I, you know, got the notion in the, you know, working on the Akashic records, because that's where I do all my work that she needed to reach out. And I said, reach out and just say the things that you need to say. Because a lot of times if we have estranged parents, we have stories that came from our mom or our dad, whoever the prime or grandparents or whatever, as opposed to saying the, the parent that we're estranged from oftentimes is afraid to reach out to us because they think that we're, there's all story, right? So we all get stuck in story. Brave, reach out to your dad and say, I'd really love to talk to you. I love you, whatever you're feeling. So she wrote one letter that wasn't to be sent to just get all her anger and sadness and whatever out. And then she wrote the second letter that she actually sent to him. And they have an amazing relationship now. We're about a year and a half in and they have, he reached out to her. He was so excited to talk to her and they have, it just gives me chills talking about it, but they have the best relationship and he is just unbelievably proud of his daughter. And these miracles can happen. We get out of our head, we get out of our story. We feel our emotion we shift. So how, 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 how did you start all this? You know, how did you get started with all this? Because, you know, it is good, you know, it is true. Society has us, you know, there's, okay, there's a time, you know, like, for example, maternity leave, you have this many days only, you know, you don't know what the mother went through, you don't know if she had complications, you know, you don't know all this stuff. So it is true, society has, I call them time markers on everything, you know, like, oh, you have surgery, you need three days to heal. You don't know, you don't know, like, you know, it, it's not just with, just not with pregnancy, but with everything, there is always a marker for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you have to be at work from nine to five every day. No, maybe some people like to get up early and work from six in the morning until two in the afternoon. That's them. So society has us in a way that, yeah, there are time markers for 90% of everything that we do. And that is that is that is so sad because that causes, like you said, stress. It causes us to bottle up inside, you know, and it causes no sleep and stress out, you know, it gets people get into this box that are called a robotic mind. They just, they just go. Wake up, go in a routine. Let's go, go, go. Come back. You know, the weekends you're going to do clean laundry. Start all over again. And then they don't break that habit. And what happens yep. is, like you said, they bottle everything up. So how did you get started with all this? You know, give me a little bit of the background and story on this. The background and the story starts in 2011 when I was uh, had kind of a triple crisis at the same time. And uh, three, uh, three things that kind of were boom, boom, boom. And... I had a friend of mine at the time who I was raging about something. And she said, you need a therapist. Go find a therapist. You need help. Go find a therapist and report back to me. Like, she didn't want any details. She just wanted to know. She's like, go home, find a therapist, book an appointment, and let me know that you've gone to therapy. And I went, 
okay? And she goes, I'm saying this with love. You are hurt. She's like, and I'm not alone. She's like, I'm not telling you this because I'm better than you. She goes, because I need, I see in me a need to for therapy, but I'm going to hold you to account. Go find a therapist. And I went, okay. Now some of your listeners are going to be like, but here's the thing. It's that moment when you get right in that little, you get that one little gap of time when you get to get in there and say the thing. And she said exactly what I needed to hear. I found a therapist. I did traditional therapy for a year and a half, outgrew that. My therapist and I actually, at the same time, almost like perfect sync said, We've out, I've outgrown you and at the same time. And she was amazing. And then I found um, specialized therapy. I'm a rape survivor. So I found specialized therapy for that for a year and a half. And then I found the Akashic Records around 2014 or so. And then I found Sacred Soul Alignment in 20, well, I knew about Sacred Soul Alignment around 2016, 2017. Those are both modalities, by the way, they're healing modalities. And then I started to, I started inadvertently intuitively coaching friends around 2014 or so. And one of my friends said to me, I'm going to pay you. You just gave me really good advice. And I went, oh, oh, okay. And she's like, well, how much do I pay you? And I had, I was still a virtual assistant at that time. So I had no idea like anything. And I'm like, Whatever you want to pay me is perfect. I will receive it. And so that was where it all started. And it's just really moved into a space of my grieving my grandmother in 2015, uh, one of my best friends, Kimma, in 2016, and then my friend, Sean, in 2018. And those were three deaths that were really rocked my world. And it was one of those things where I felt like we really got, I really got pushed forward into us, like, like you said, like we timelines, we're on timelines. And it was like, okay, well, it's been this much time. So, and I remember specifically, and if my mom listens to this, she's going to probably cringe, but that's okay. Um, I remember my grandma passed in September of 2015. And I remember our first Thanksgiving because my grandma loved the holidays. And we were talking about something and we were together for our first Thanksgiving. And without my grandma and uh, my mom made a comment about grieving. And I said, she said something about it's been two months. And I said, here's the deal. You've known your mom your whole life. You are going to grieve her in some way. It doesn't, and grieving doesn't mean like <gasps> sobbing your eyes out on the daily. That's not what grief needs to look like. But I said, you are in some way going to grieve your mother every single day for the rest of your life. And mm. It was one of those things that kind of opened her eyes to a different think thought process. And that's part of my hope when I talk to people about grief and is not that we're like, <gasps> boohoo, sadness every day. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you remember people by, for example, saying their name, say their name, talking about them, doing whatever memorial thing from your heart that means something to you. And I think it's really important to allow people to be in the space of you're out, you are where you are and your grief process. The only thing that I can say that I feel like is not healthy with grief is long-term numbing because a lot of us get into a space where it's okay to numb things short-term. Like, you know, like if you're in the space where you go get drunk with friends one night or whatever, you tie one up, that's whatever, fine. But when we get into a space where we are numbing 
when we are adding manipulation and coercion into something like nobody can talk about the dead person that's when we get into a space of it's unhealthy when it's like i haven't grieved and no one else is allowed to talk about grief sadness anything that could possibly touch my wound or the 50 layers of the solar system that i built around it so i feel like you know i've just kind of added layers to my journey and as i've come into the space of knowing in my mind that i wanted to make grief and everyday conversation, that I wanted to make therapy an everyday conversation, that I believe that going to therapy and to phrase it a different way, to make it friendly for people, having a third party to hear what you're saying and yes to validating, but also to reframing it, to saying, hey, is it possible that this, this, or this? Could it be that you are seeing it wrong? Or could it be that there's more to it? Or is it possible that that person didn't know what they didn't know? And we're not making it wrong or bad. We're just saying, if I didn't know how to, like, I don't know how to drive a stick. Fun fact about me. I don't know how to drive stick shift. I just don't know. That doesn't make me wrong or bad. But if you don't know it, I can't teach it to anybody. Right. Right. I don't know how to crochet. I can't teach anyone to crochet. Now, I can grow a seed. I can grow a seed into a plant. I can bring back dead plants all day long. I can get into your into your emotion, dig out the core of it, heal it, and keep it rolling. So we all have things, and it's really important to be in the space of saying to people, hey, you know, is it possible, you know, that this is just the way it was. I'm not making it right. By any means, I'm not making it right. But if we can be in the space of like, yeah, so I get to now know a different thing. It shifts people and softens people out of the space of being right, because we are very much in 2023, living in a society where people are really attached to being right. Oh, yeah, everybody, everybody's right, you know, and I and you know what it is that we get to, yeah, like you said, oh, I did this. Oh, you're right. And then they want, here's the one thing I, 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 I love the fact that we have internet. I love the fact that me and you're talking. I love the fact that people are learning things that never talked about. People are going to hear this and hopefully call you up. Hey, you know what? You are hundred percent right. I need you. But one thing I do hate is that because, of, because they saw it on the internet, oh, now I'm actually makes it right. So they tag you. Hey, guess what? You know, I saw this on, on YouTube, you know? And then you know, but you tell them, but I, I I got degrees, I go to school, I had all this. No, 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 no. YouTube, YouTube University, you know, and that's a debate. You could sit across with somebody that doesn't know nothing about the subject. Oh, I know this, I know that. And we yeah, and it's like so, and it's so it's just the way that and the kids growing up nowadays, you know. Yes, they think you know, they think it's okay that oh, because the creator made a million dollars. I don't have to learn to do this. Like you said, you don't know how to drive a six shift, but I do. Hey, listen, teach somebody else, share that knowledge. And that's what you're doing. You're taking somebody's inside and Hey, listen, it's rewarding a little bit. Let's work on you. Let's make you smile again. Let's make you, Hey, stop with society and let's make you be you again. Let's make you find who you are just by even just changing the words from a third, you know, from an outside party. Sometimes we need to get, like, get rewired a little bit because we're not hearing. We just go, go, go. We, you know, we have these, we have these society headphones on, and we're not listening to ourselves. And that's that's why I love what you do. 
So talk about, okay, you, I, I'm not going to even pronounce it because I would chop it up a little bit. So explain that to me. Um, yeah, go ahead. Talk about the, I mean, I'm talking first about how you pronounce that. The Akashic Records? Yeah, that. I'm lost. like, listen, man, I'm Cuban. I would chop all those words up. I would throw it like everywhere. But yeah, no. The, yeah. So explain that to me. So the Akashic Records are a record of every thought, word, and deed of your soul since its inception. And Akashic Records also apply to houses, objects, events, situations. So for example, if I'm in a space where there, like I can go back to, I can open the Akashic records of, let's say, if I want, I have never done it, but if I wanted to, um, let's say the Revolutionary War. Okay. Or let's say, um, let's just say, you know, like 9-11 or um, a particular baseball game or whatever. I could, if I wanted to, to see all the energies of all the players that were involved, all the collective energies of them. If I have never done it, but I could. And one of the things I have done, which is super cool, is I have gone into the Akashic records of objects and I have gone into the records of historic houses. And it's one of my favorite things to do. And here's why. Because I was asked to read a house about two years ago up in Virginia. And the person said to me, I want you not to read anything about the house in advance. And I respected that. But what I've learned is, is that when I go into the Akashic records of a house, as an example, and I'll go back to the people thing in just a second, but usually what the house wants me to know, I get to know the things that aren't going to be in Wikipedia, as an example. So like the craftsmen sharing about how the house was built, their pride of ownership, those all those things that, took, that, that it takes to put together a house. So framing, brickwork custom repointing of bricks brick and mortar building cabinets building stairwells all the you know the millwork all the little pieces that go into building a house and then also if there's houses that had enslaved people or they had um you know if they had indentured servants those voices get lost and so one of the things i've gotten to do is share those voices and share those experiences and it's really a beautiful thing to work with a homeowner and to say you know, this is what they're wanting to share. This is what they're wanting you to know. And this is what they're wanting. You know, they you know, if someone is restoring a house, for example, and the house doesn't want to be restored or the house does want to be restored, you get to know that as well. So when it comes back around to people, the unique thing about people in the Akashic Records is we can go back and we can find the incident that where something happened and we can pull out the emotion. We can heal the emotion of the moment because here's the thing that happens. When you're trying to heal trauma, a lot of people use talk therapy where you just talk through something until you get bored of it. And But that doesn't necessarily pull out the emotion because here's what happens. When you pull out the emotion of something, the story collapses. And we collapse the story, we're done. We've healed it. We're done talking about it. We can move on. And we stop leading with, I'm a victim as an example. And so we get to the point, and I'll just use my own, so I'll just throw myself under the bus and use myself as an example. When I started working on healing my rape and talking about the emotion and burning through the anger and the rage and whatever, and then I started, and then I went into the Akashic records of my rape and was like, is there anything in here that's not healed yet or that I need to pull out that I'm still attached to it, that I'm still speaking a certain way about it 
that I'm still allowing myself to be a victim. And I found residual. And again, anytime you're healing a trauma, there's going to be layers to it. Is I found the residuals of still like places where I still had anger. So I get to pull those out. I get to say, okay, let me just go ahead. And the how is either like a lot of times with my clients, if I have a client who's physical, I will have them be in a space of like, I want you to imagine that you're grabbing onto your emotion and it's a ball. And it's got, and I want them to imagine as much detail as they can. So is it a gooey black ball of muck like you pull out of the sewer? Or is it like a bowling ball? Is it cold and it's not malleable and you just want to throw it? Or is it, and I get them to get as much detail as they can because the, the more that we can use our senses into it, the more we can get rid of it. So if we, if we're, one of my clients said to me, I have this anger. And I said, okay, tell me all about it. So she went into really abundant detail, which was gorgeous. And she said, and as she was talking about it, she goes, oh my God. And I said, tell me what's going on. And she said, because I have one viewpoint, but I wanted to see what her viewpoint was so she could walk through it and unravel it. She goes, the whole thing is melting. And it's, it's, she's like, it's like I'm holding a ball of ice cream and it's melting. Oh, wow. That's so cool. That is, and it, wow. And it melted to the point where she was like, I need to wash my hands. And so she, I see her on, we're on Zoom and I see her do like this. And she's like, like you would wash your hands under a faucet. And she goes, I'm done. Oh, and wow. it was so awesome to watch her be in a space where like we would check a week later and two weeks later, she was working a program with me. So we would chat and she'd go, nope. And then one day she's like, I feel kind of sad about it because it's affecting some other things. She goes, but no, she goes, I don't want to cry. I don't want to talk about it. I'm good. And that is a beautiful gift because we don't have to keep going through it. We break the cycle. We cut off the circuit and go, okay, I'm done. We've right. been heard. We've allowed, we've felt it in whatever capacity we need to. We've witnessed it ourselves and the emotion just, <clears throat> it's gone. Yeah. See that, that is intense. Like, man that's so intense so we get we get the records done okay sacred soul alignment sacred soul alignment is a healing modality created by born to so to speak my dear friend and spiritual teacher alicia hartzell and it is packets of and healing packets of energy and i like to give because a lot of people are very visual especially when they listen to a podcast visuals are good so I like to consider it like if you've ever had like old fashioned Kool-Aid where it's like you have a packet of Kool-Aid and you put it in the pitcher or you put it in the water and it changes the water color. So you can do one of two things with and sometimes two both at the same time. But a lot of times when you're working with a packet of energy, what you're doing is like you're dumping in like if I was calling in, for example, if I was running the alignment for, um, let's say, expanding self-love and self-worth, I'm dumping in the Kool-Aid to bring in the energy of let's make that little kernel of self-love and self-worth bigger. Let's grow it. Okay. And the flip side, if I'm in a space where I'm using the energy packet of, for example, um, grief and saw release, I'm pulling out of the water, the grief and sorrow. Oh, okay. That's cool. And getting rid of it. So it's like you can do multiple. It's very malleable. It's such an awesome modality. Um, I got certified in 20, I want to say 2018. I mean, it's been like so many years and I just do it automatically now, but 
they're, it's a healing modality, um, very unlike the Akashic Records, that allows us to bring, again, bring in and take out. So it's like, I, and I'll give you another, I'll give your audience another visual. So if you're in the space of like, you're bring, like if you're taking, like the ones that bring in things, for example, expanding self-love and self-worth would be like taking a tea ball and putting it into a hot glass of water and making tea. Like you're expanding the energies, the chamomile or the, tea, you know, the, the, um, you know, the black tea or the raspberry essence or whatever it is into the water. And if you're in a space where you're pulling something out, grief and sorrow, anger, and resentment, whatever it might be, you're in the space of like taking damp red and putting it into a very dry, wet room and it's and and pulling all of the dampness into those kernels so that you then get rid of dampness in a room. Oh wow, that is so cool. Oh, that's so awesome. It's really okay. cool. <laughs> okay, now. The next subject that, that we're going to talk about, it's where, and this is people that have not experienced this. I recommend if you have any, if you feel sick, you know, and there's a lot of people that practice this, okay? And I had an experience, and it's you do not know how the experience is until you experience it yourself, okay? That is Reiki. Let's talk about Reiki. Yes. Okay. Now, Reiki. What is the first myth, the first myth that people say about Reiki that you want to debunk? Oh, goodness. There's there's a lot of them. Um, I would say the one that I have that people come to me with the most is that Reiki is of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard that one. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. They're putting some type of trance in you and all that craziness. So here, yeah. So here's the thing. Reiki is energy. Reiki okay. is sacred healing energy. And the thing is, is Reiki is one of the things where, because with any healing modality, you need the permission of the person that you're running it on or running it for to do it. Okay. Reiki is unique in that you can, like, what I'll do a lot of times is I will send Reiki and I'll just be driving down the road and I'll be calling in Reiki and I'll be sending it out. And I will send it out to anybody that needs it, that wants to receive it for their best and highest good. And I'll just be like, okay, and usually a lot of times when you call it in, I mean, I'm a Reiki master, and let me just make that really simple for people. A Reiki master means that I can teach, teach it to you, and I can attune you to a specific lineage of Reiki. That's it. So, and here's the thing. I like to make things very user-friendly because I really believe there's a lot of people who tend to be in a space, and I've experienced this myself, of like, I'm way up here in the world because I'm a Reiki master. And the reality of the situation is I like to make things user-friendly, especially because we have a lot of people in the world who are not getting relief with Western medicine. And I'm not bashing. I'm just saying there's a lot of more to life than Western medicine. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And there's a lot of people who have been taught by their church or by a specific religion or by people around them that, you know, Reiki is bad or you're going to hell if you're in the Akashic Records or if you speak in, in tongues, whatever, blah, blah, blah that this or that bad thing is going to happen. And the reality of it is, is if you start, when you go into what I call the healing arts, when you go into that, you're always going to start from a space of love, number one. And number two, you're going to be in the space if you want the best and highest intentions for everyone involved. Right. So if you start there, 
that it's all about intentions. And if you're in a space where like you're trying, and here's the thing, there's always going to be, because we're human beings, there's always going to be somebody who is going to be out of bounds with any given modality. But here's the thing that happens with everything in life that happens with religion. It happens with politics. It happens with life. It happens with motherhood, fatherhood, coaching, teaching, you name it. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be a jerk. And, you know, what I want to tell people is come from a space of love. And that doesn't mean you're a pushover. That just means like when I come in and I'm doing my work, I'm always coming from a space of love. And I'm also always coming from a space of, I don't want you to just believe me. I want you to be in the space of, you know what? If you hear the Akashic Records, if you hear Reiki, if you hear about sacred soul alignment, if you hear about, you know, reading historic houses or whatever else, I want you to go do some research. Unless you wanted to show up in your Facebook timeline, I would do it on DuckDuckGo.com. But do it. <laughs> yeah, because it shows up. I heard this shows up on Google. You say something. You realize you're like, how that? And it's like, did you just Google that? Yeah, that's yeah. why. You, you know, it's funny that I have my phone and every time I do a podcast, I have to turn it off because when I started doing the podcast as before, I was like, oh, my phone, I always leave it there, you know, to see if anybody calls me, you know, because emergency and I got some stuff popping up off my phone. I was like, okay, you know, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. In both on Facebook and Google. So yeah, yeah. It's not just them, but also Apple, it just shows everywhere you talk about something, you know, but yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. So <laughs> yes. So, okay, the next message, the next one. This one is, oh man, a very good subject. So we talk about Reiki, you got the records, we're doing good. We talk about the Sacred Heart alignment and all that. Now you have another special gift, okay? Which the mediumship. Let's talk about be, being a medium, okay? So I have this week has been interesting because you know I I get to see some of the forms that my team are sending me. I, and then I go, you need to see this person, whatever. But we really don't put any specific order of, of who we're talking to. You know, there's not, okay, well, today's going to be author. So, well, you know, we don't. It's the way that as we see them, okay, well, this person, they feel good. We just pull them out, you know. And we have hundreds and hundreds of people responding to me, you know, and trying to get on the on the, on the shows. And this week is about mediums and paranormals and people doing coaching healing people today's this bit of it today's today's podcast i've done already today this is number 13 for me today and wow. every time I, yeah so today's like okay hold on and i get so i had somebody who was a paranormal investigator earlier i had somebody that did also life coaching also so today's been like a great fun day i love all my days I, it's always i love what i do so talk about mediumship tell, tell me about the whole being a medium and what is the first myth that people think about mediums tell me the first myth well, you know, I get asked a lot if I'm going to be summoning demons and I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like I'm like, uh, <laughs> no. So mediumship is the notion. I, you know, being a medium for me is I get to be a conduit for people who've passed over and people who are living. I get to be the bridge. And it is a huge honor for me to connect people with their loved ones. 
the most common thing that I hear from people, the first question people always ask is, is so-and-so, whoever it might be, are they okay? Are they safe? And they are always, our soul is, is a, is a fantastic navigator. If we just get the hell out of the way, um, the human being is the one that mucks it up. And, you know, when people go, oh, well, you know, you're a medium and, you know, and, uh, sometimes people go, that must be interesting. I'm like, it is. Um, have I ever dealt with things that are weird or that people would be like, "Ah, yes. Um, I cleared somebody. I was a conduit for somebody in a public in a public space in 2019, I think it was. And I said to her, "You've got something attached to you." And I said, "You know, introduced myself, told her what who I was and what I did and whatever." She's okay. And I said, "Have you been to a house lately, or do you live in a house that has that either has um, either was inhabited by people from the Civil War?" And she immediately said. We're cleaning out my brother's house. He just passed away and the house was used as a hospital during the civil war. Oh, wow. I said, okay. I said, you have a whole string of uh, Confederate soldiers attached to you. May I clear it? Oh, wow. And she said, sure. And so that was one of the, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, and they're all cool and they're all right for different reasons. Um, but I'm sitting there in a public space because normally I do my work in private spaces. I was in a public space and um, she was facing me. She was facing away from the store that we were in. And, uh, you know, I had my hand on her arm and, you know, I said, how are you feeling? And I was walking her through it. And I think we cleared somewhere in the neighborhood of the energy of 250 Confederate soldiers when I was oh. said. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it's one of those things where, um, you know, when I touch on mediumship and I touch on people are always afraid of what they're going to hear, what they're going to find. Um, and we have a lot of misnomers about like we all have, you know, we all get energy attached to us because everything is energy. So if you're in a space where you're an empath, for example, um, where you feel other people's energies and other people's maladies and et cetera as your own. Um, and you don't know how to control it, or you know you are one, but you don't have anyone to ask about it. Um, you will take on other people's energy. Like, so if you're in a space where you're walking around and you're good, and all of a sudden you're like, mm, and you're all of a sudden super cranky, you've taken on somebody else's energy. And little kids do that. Like, little kids and pets are natural conduits, they are natural empaths. And I so often will tell people, you know, you need to make sure you're clearing your kids. You need to make sure they're clearing themselves. And that's as simple as washing your hands. I like to keep, and like I said, I like to keep everything super user-friendly. Like don't overcomplicate things. Don't freak out grandma. You know, grandma's a Presbyterian and she doesn't, you know, whatever. Don't be freaking out grandma, whatever. Just be like, go wash your hands. And let washing your hands today will calm and ground your kid. Keep it simple. Keep it user-friendly. Keep it everybody-friendly. Um, but, you know, being a medium, a lot of times people think that I summon people. And the only time, because a lot of people's experience with mediums is like crossing over or with Teresa Caputo. And every medium, I'm not ever going to speak to how someone else does it because we all are different. Um, but, you know, being able to speak with somebody and get, get confirmation for a client that, you know, they did everything they could, that they made the right decision. Because some people have had to make some heartbreaking decisions to 
you know, take someone off a vent or to make a decision because there was nothing legally in writing or to, um, I had a client going back to 2018 or so ish. And one of the, there was a DNR order in place, which technically means you cannot resuscitate legally. Um, but the daughter came in to see the dad and the dad went into cardiac arrest and she was like, you will save him. Oh, wow. So they had, to, so they had to override the DNR. Order. Like oh, wow. she like, like we have this order signed, we can't do anything for him. And she's like, like lost her mind. So this, the other daughter was, came to me and she was the one that ultimately was like, had the whole family angry with her because she was enforcing the DNR or later. And she was like, you know, he wanted to be cremated. And did I do the right thing? She's like, we had him cremated. You know, he went into cardiac arrest, you know, and they asked me and I said, you know, just stand back. Everybody just has to stand back. And yeah. he, does, he didn't want to, you know, he's not, he doesn't have quality of life anymore. And she's like, this is the decision I made. And I have been racked with guilt and anger and all the things and i can't grieve i can't do anything because i want need to, until i know for sure that my dad is okay with the decisions that i made and her dad came through instantly and was like yes it's okay yes thank you for making this decision tell you know the sister that's angry with you is not going to be um you know there's nothing you can do to make to placate her she's never going to be okay with my passing away. I could have lived for another 15 years and she was not going to be okay with it. Don't worry about her. You know, just know that from this perspective, like you and I are okay. You are my daughter. I will love you forever. And I'm very grateful and I'm in a good place and da 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 and whatever. And she was like full on ugly tears, crying, like so relieved. And that's such a beautiful gift to give people is that confirmation that yes, people are okay. And sometimes you get people who will, you know, like someone's crossed over and they'll come forward and they'll be like, I'm not happy. And, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. and you know, but, but they also, you know, souls have a 360 degree view as opposed to our like across the street view. And so, you know, that can be difficult for people sometimes, you know, to be in that space of like, you know, to of acceptance, but. I will say that being a medium and being a conduit, being a conduit is one of my greatest joys and honors of all the work that I do. No, see, that's cool. You know, and they say, you know, like with mediums and they, oh, like you said, you mentioned some names and, you know, all oh, they see stuff on TV, same thing. Let's go back to society. Oh, this is what they think a medium is, you know? Now let's talk about kids and empath. Very good subject. I like that one. Um, and I say, you know, there's kids, you know, and the thing about it is when you have a parent that's not understand a child that has that's empath, you know, how do you explain to a parent, hey, listen, it's okay that your kid's going through this. It's okay that he's emotional. It's okay that she's emotional. It's okay that they let the world out sometimes, you know. And there's parents that understand that this kid, like I said, picks up energies because it's an empath, you know. And they think, oh, well, therapy, you know, therapy might say that he's going through some emotion. He's sensitive and stuff like that. So how do you help a parent explain that to a parent you know let's talk about the little ones now they're feeling all these emotions or a little one that hey he's picking up you know like you know we hear it all the time you know hey you know little johnny's talking to his friend his imaginary friend you know and they think that you know and they of course society has it where 
doesn't matter the culture. Oh, that's bad. And da, 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 he's hallucinating or he has, you know, he has some type of disease and all that. You know, how can you talk to a, a, a family member? It doesn't matter if they're mother, fathers, or it doesn't matter if it's uncles, nieces and all them, you know, how can you explain to them? Hey, you know, what? this kid's okay. He's special. How can you explain, make it easier for that parent to understand that it's okay? How, how can you help them? So the first thing I always do is start with, it's not your fault. Okay. Because so often parents, if there's anything wrong with our children, we have a tendency to be like, oh, it's my fault. And we have a tendency to go into this guilt and shame spiral. Or we think like, oh my God, my kid is bad or my kid is possessed or whatever. And I'm like, your kid's not possessed. Your kid's just an empath. And again, most children are. So, and being an empath is, is having your energy open to the way, to the sense that you take on the emotions, the physical maladies, the worldview sometimes of other people. So you can be in a space where I used to know somebody who she was, she was an empath and she was actually a, there's different, there's all different, whole different, that's a whole different podcast. But point of fact is I used to have this friend who she would be around people who were sick. And it was like, usually before they had symptoms, right? Like she'd be walking around and she'd be like, we'd be at dinner or something. And like, she would get home and she would like, within like 15 or 20 minutes of getting home, she would be like full blown sick. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, okay, but you came to the restaurant and you were fine because viruses don't normally develop that fast. <laughs> right. At one point said to her, you know, is it possible that you're an empath? And she goes, oh, I know I'm an empath. Yeah. She goes, I really freaking hate it. And I wish I could turn it off. And I go, okay, well, what if you choose to close yourself off? And so we, I taught her how to do that and whatnot. But when I'm working with parents, like I'll usually I'll, I'll have the aunts or uncles reach out. And usually it's an auntie who will reach out or a grandparent who is, you know, in the spiritual, the healing arts realms. And they'll say, hey, I have a grandchild who, or I have a niece or nephew who, blah, 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 blah. Can you help me? Sure. So let's talk through what's going on. And they'll share what's going on and I'll say, okay, so here's the thing. Little Johnny is an empath. What that means is that they take on the, the energy, and especially like little kids now, that they will take on the energy of teachers Ooh. and they'll take on the energy of their classmates. And here's the thing, the class, the classmate isn't just their little, like little Susie, right? It's Susie's siblings. It's Susie's parents. Oh, it's wow. Susie's grandparents. It's Susie's community. So it's all those people. So every person has like a hundred or more people attached to them if they're an empath and all of that stuff. And if you don't know, you can see how quickly it becomes an energy cluster screw where it's like, all of a sudden it's like, right. And it is in a space where it's like, they're like a bug light for emotion. So it's like they go to school and they're all happy and lucky and glad and they come home to school and it's like they're like argumentative and cantankerous and tired and rah, rah, rah. and what I teach people is your kid's an empath. There's nothing wrong with them. It just means that they're an, they're a sponge. They're an emotion sponge. They're an energy sponge. So what I recommend doing is if you're into crystals, get a stalinite wand and make it fun and just be in the space of like bibbidi bobbidi boo, spiraling all the energy off your kid. Um, if you're in a space where you're a very practical person, when you come in in the afternoon, you say, I teach people 
shake your feet off or like, you know, if you get home in the afternoon and you have muddy shoes, right? You're going to go in the grass and you're going to wipe your feet off, get the mud off the soles of your shoes. Or maybe you're going to like stomp your feet in the, you know, in the uh, patio or in the driveway to get the dirty mud off your feet before you walk in the door. Same thing for energy, right? Make it fun for, especially for little kids, make it fun. Go in that you wash your hands of the day, right? And a lot of times like, I can, you know, and I, if you're a parent, you can set the intention for your kid. Every time they wash their hands, they're washing your hands of the day to this moment. Right. By intention. Okay. I'm just going to wash. Cause the thing is like when you wash your hands, like a lot of times, if you've been outside in the cold, you come in you put your hands under hot water and it feels so good. You know, it just feels yummy to have warm on cold, on your cold hands and warm them up. So the same thing is true of our energy. Water is a natural grounder and a natural conduit. So if we could just be in the space of like rinsing my hands, and you know be done with it now if you have a kid for example who like you talked about has a special friend right they have a little they have a little invisible friend <laughs> what i like to do in that case is lesson where we get to encourage children's imaginations because that honestly that's a sign that their energy is flowing which is a beautiful thing we want people's energy we want especially children want our energy to flow when you're in a space of dis-ease as an adult when you're in a space of crunchiness as an adult, when you've got things like arthritis happening to you as an adult or autoimmune conditions or, you know, like your joints are achy or whatever, that's energy that's stuck and crystallized in your body. So when little, with little kids, if you've got parents who are listening to this and like, oh my God, that's my kid. Talk to them, encourage them. When they're a little, if a two, and I'll just give you an example. Everybody that's ever had a two-year-old child, niece, or nephew has dealt with the fake phone thing, right? Where they walk up to you and they go, the phone's for you. And you go, hey, how are you? Uh-huh. And you're carrying on a fake conversation. Every single person who's had a child or a niece or a nephew or, what, or a grandchild has done it, okay? So the same thing applies when they come up to you and little Johnny comes up to you and goes, hey, my little friend Tony over here, my invisible friend Tony, wants to go to the ice cream store. Can we go get ice cream? Tell me more about Tony. Engage your kid because here's the thing. They're going to feel seen and heard, number one, which gives them the attention, attention that they're craving, whether consciously or subconsciously. And the other thing is, is that when they get done telling the story, the chances they're going to want ice cream are small. Right. They right. want attention. So when you <laughs> give them attention and go, tell me more about Tony. What's going on? Like, what's, how tall is he? Like, where, what's, tell me all the details. I need all the details about your little friend. Because here's the thing. If they were bringing Tony home from school to play after on a play date in real life, you'd ask the same questions. Right, right. Same so, thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and so parents don't, don't pick up on it until later on in life and all that. So that's kind of interesting. So, all right. So let's go back into you help people, women. You say most of your clients are women, but you help men, you know, with when the part of the trauma and healing part and you coach them through all that, you know. In very in different different of your different tools because let's call it tools, you know, because it is a gift. This gifts or tools, it's up to you guys, you know, whatever you want to hear it, whatever you guys interpret this in the healings. So, how can we, the listeners, first of all, find you? Number one. Number two, you know, how can we book you if we want to book you? You know, what is your website? What is how you know, and then from there we'll go on and say. You know, Daniel, you have some free resources on your site. And there's a lot of things that we can talk about. I mean, we could spend another three hours talking because this is an intense subject, you know. And some people do not understand. You know, some people don't believe in it. Some people do. Believe it or not, until you experience it, I tell everybody that's my listener, 
this this is the you know if you're hearing this on one of my channels there's a reason why you're hearing this maybe you heard about hey i want to hear about this you know and you this you're interested in one way or another on this so forget about what you heard about it and just take a quick listen you know make a phone call with you or set up a, a, a zoom call you know so what is your website website is jillymaria.com j-i-l-l-i-e-m-a-r-i-a.com and okay, yeah. on every single piece of page of my website rather um there's a contact us form and you can contact us that goes right to my email i see it i have my pretty much have my phone attached to me 24 7. so you can reach out and we can schedule either a discovery call which is a 20-minute call where i do a little bit of healing work i hear out what you know you've got going on you get to hear what i do and we get to decide if we're fit to work together um i've got programs that i work with which are 90 days and they're repeatable of you working with me either every other week or weekly and you get to part of the thing that comes with your one hour session is every week if you're working a program is that you also get to reach out to me with high level one-on-one -on -one. so that means you get to pm me or text me and a lot of my clients that are program clients actually love that more than they love the sessions because it allows them in the space of the moment to say oh hey i've got this thing going on can you walk me through it can you reframe it can you like a lot of times i'll bubble clients up or you know and that just puts is putting energy protection around them um or can you reframe this for me and a lot of times i've saved people conversations and i've saved people getting ugly because i'm like take a breath and imagine that person that you're cantankerous with as a six-year-old yeah i, I like it's that one of my I love favorite it. tricks and so and they'll go oh okay i'm like if you were talking to a six-year-old would you be like rah, 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 or would you be like hmm and either not respond at all let them cry it out let them whine it out whatever or would you say hey you know how can i help you what can i do for you what do you need and it just softens us right um but they can also find me on social media uh, Julie Maria, Transformational Catalyst on Facebook and Fire and Ice TL Coaching. Fire and Ice spelled out. So F R I E A F I R E A N D T L, uh, letter T, L like in Lee, coaching um, on Instagram. So yeah, they can reach out to me. I would love to chat. I would, I would welcome the conversations and uh, I like myth busting. And I absolutely adore, it's my passion to support people in their healing processes and help them change their life. All right, perfect. Thank you, Ms. Julie, for being on this on this podcast today. It's been an honor. And we, like I said, we could stand here for hours and talk and talk and talk. But this is, I mean, I could, I could have more questions for you. So we're gonna actually, we're, we're gonna bring back uh, Julie here probably in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna be talking to her again because this is an NTC subject, you know? And we'll be touching different little tips here and there, especially with the medium stuff. That's a that's a pretty one because like there's a lot of myths about that and I like yes. to I, I'm a debunker on stuff so <laughs> all right Miss Julie thank you for being on here you guys thank please you. check her out and definitely follow her her website will be on this recording thank you so much.